With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC Nashville. Our main event is Stephen Wonderboy Tom Thompson taking on Anthony Showtime Pettis. Here to talk all things DraftKings. I am your host of Fight IQ, the Daily Fantasy Sniper. Here with me as always is at least one half of our duo. It is Chris Olsen of Rotowire. Chris, how are you doing today? I'll get into to some of the to why there's only two of us in a second but how are you well i'm doing all right i i was actually gonna break the news if you don't mind uh, joe had some pretty earth-shattering news this week turns out megan anderson blocked him on twitter he's still getting <laughs> over it uh you know uh, we, we we wanted him to come but you know grieving is a process and so here we are you know we wish him the best that was that was well done by you but don't <laughs> worry guys i mean joe we love Joe. We all know he's a great player, does a great job. But, I mean, I got to imagine at least at least half the people, or at least half the entertainment is us going at each other on this show. So you guys still have that to, to look forward to? Of course. It is an awkward card for DraftKings. You remember last week when I was picking all these underdogs and you thought I was crazy? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm totally going back to and, – and a lot came through, by the way, last week. Yeah. Some didn't. But I've done a total 180 where if you would ask me on Tuesday of this week, I was picking exactly zero underdogs. I'm up to half a one. And probably half a one. Probably one. And, and, right. and, and I think we all know which one I'm talking about. We'll get to that in a second. So no Joe this week, but we will persevere, guys, and break down UFC Nashville. By the way, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at the DF Sniper. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. And this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Rotowire. Go to rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, both on iTunes and on YouTube. 
If you like what you hear and you're not watching this live on YouTube or watching it after the fact or on iTunes, record these typically Fridays at 8 o'clock. Chat is usually popping, usually uh, some fun banter in there. Um, nice crew. Any Everybody who is in there, I see you. Thanks for joining us. Everyone's already complaining about the dogs, and I agree, guys, we will get there. But chat's always fun, so make sure you're here Fridays at 8 o'clock. I think that's enough of the intro. Let's get to some fights. Chris, we have Eric Shelton at 8,700 taking on – wow, I already almost I almost butchered a first name. It is Jordan Espinosa. I won't go into what I called him because I'm pretty sure Chad will start calling me racist. Anyway, uh, he's at 7,500. I feel like I should explain that now because it sounded really yeah, bad. Yeah, on DraftKings, I just saw Jay Espinosa, and I wanted to call him a different Spanish first name I and mean, he's you know because his last name is Spanish and his first name is Jordan. I don't want to get accused of that kind of stuff. I feel like I explained it a little better there. And now I can tell you that Eric Shelton is minus 135. Jordan Espinosa, the comeback on him is plus 125. Chris, what do you have for this fight? Uh, before we get into that, um, guess who just popped into the chat here? It's uh, Sun Tzu himself to make fun of my hair. So uh, good to see you, Joe. And uh, I don't know if you're sticking around or not, but, uh, you know, watch and learn. Um, well, having, hey, hang on. I, I don't know how many barbs Sun Tzu can be throwing over there if he's sitting this one out in in Las Vegas. Well, that's the best part. We get we get a difficult card, and you bail on us, Joe. This is well, crazy. That, that's the best part. Is now we get to just throw everything we want at him, basically uninterrupted. I'm gonna block all of his uh, his comebacks from getting in the chat. So that's how it works. But um, as far as this fight goes, yeah, um, Espinoza is is just not really a guy. I like very much. He tends to be a guy who I would describe as uh, leaning way too much on his athleticism. If you watch his fights, he tends to just get himself backed up and just look for like a perfect counter shot and um, just try to use his athleticism to, um, you know, um, weave and bob around shots. The problem is this leads to him getting tagged up quite a bit. Now, um, in his in his two contender series fights, he has found that perfect shot at a certain point, but he's uh, also eaten shots uh, along the way and uh sheldon is just a really well-rounded fighter not a, not a ton of um finishes by strikes but he does have some power in his hands um i think he's a pretty slick counter puncher in his own right for when espinoza does decide to blitz forward which he does occasionally do um i think he's a really good uh, wrestler when he commits to it which we have seen espinoza wrestles a little bit himself but i don't think he's anywhere near as committed to it as uh sheldon is and, you know, in, in, with a guy in Espinosa who is going to lean on his athleticism and you guy, uh, got a guy like Shelton who's just as athletic, if not more so, and does other things better, I don't really see where Espinosa's edge lies in this fight. So I have to take Shelton. I will tell you where Espinosa's potential edge lies in this fight. Please. And, it, and I'm taking Eric Shelton, to, picking him to win the fight. But Espinosa is one of the few dogs I am going to be mixing in because Eric Shelton is about as consistent as Joe showing up to these podcasts. You just <laughs> never, oh. you just never know. That was too good. That was too good <laughs> to, to lay off of. Um, but in all seriousness, we've seen Eric Shelton no show before. And to me, these guys are a bit similar in that both have decent stand up, both have decent wrestling. I think in both areas, Shelton is better technically, and I think he should have the edge wherever this fight goes. But this is not a lot, and if he no-shows, 
or Espinosa has made improvements. Like, is it a, it's a close fight, and the line has continued to close, kind of indicating that. I don't trust Shelton, especially, and I'm not going to have a lot of interest in Shelton when in cash games there are clearly better options, I think, above and below. And then same thing in GPPs. Are you going to want Eric Shelton or Curtis Blades, Macy Barber, Davison Figueredo, uh, Marlon Vera, all guys who could score 110 versus Eric Shelton? I mean, what's what's his ceiling, really? So for that reason, I need dogs to mix in. I've seen Shelton no-show. I'll have some shares of Espinosa. I don't mind it. But Eric Shelton, I do think, is better, and he is the pick to win the fight. So someone in chat said they think that Shelton is going to break the slate tomorrow. I would be shocked if he puts that, up 100 to 110. I was, was going to ask you because I, I agree with everything you said. I do think there are more consistent, uh, a lot more consistent point scores in that price range. But we've seen um, Eric Shelton fights where he really gets committed to those takedowns. And when he does, he can get five, six, seven a fight. So uh, in that sort of situation, do you think Shelton could be a decent, like contrarian um, big money play if you're going to go for a couple of GPPs? If you're playing a bunch of lineups, if you're playing Sun Tzu lineups, if you're playing like 40 to 50, sure. Then throw in a lot of... I, He's a differentiator type of play, but not my favorite. I'm only going to build because I don't like this card. Building 10 to 15, I won't have yeah. a lot. All right, All right. Let's, let's go to the next fight. Let's talk about Chris Gutierrez, 8,300, Mr. Chalk himself. He will take on the guy all week. I've been calling Ronald McDonald. It is Ryan McDonald, 7,900. You might as well call him Ronald. Um, 8,300, Chris Gutierrez, minus 235. That is chalk, 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 line value, chalk. Ryan McDonald is plus 215. Before I go off in this fight, Chris, break it down. So we had a little exchange on Twitter because I am uh, I, I wasn't aware of the, what the odds are. I'm not much of a line value player. Kind of amazed um, to see Chris Gutierrez this big of a favorite against anybody. But when you look at um, tape for McDonald, it kind of makes sense. I mean, he stands up really tall. He gets hit by absolutely everything. In his last fight that literally all his opponent was doing was throwing up and standing up and winging overhands, and he got caught with one and knocked down. So that's the that's the kind of guy we're dealing with here. So I, I understand it from that extent, but my problem is, especially knowing how highly owned Gutierrez is likely to be, my problem in GPPs is that he's basically a slow counterfighting kickboxer. And look, McDonald is going to give him a lot of opportunities to counter because he comes in with volume and he doesn't move his head. So fair enough, he's going to have opportunities to counter. But he's also a guy who's just who's going to come right at him. He's going to try to wrestle. We've seen um, Espinosa's takedown defense be porous in uh, other fights. I or Gutierrez rather his takedown defense be porous in other fights. Um, my concern isn't really that McDonald wins. Uh, quite frankly, it's just that if he doesn't get a stoppage, I'm not sure that the volume is there enough to justify him being such a chalk play in GPPs. I think that fading him, and by fading him, I don't mean picking McDonald. I just mean going off of him. I think that could that could be you know that could be a decent play because he's likely to be upwards of 40% and above that. So if he can't land that home run shot, which again he certainly could. Um, uh, McDonald's going to give him opportunities, but if he can't, he's not going to score well on volume. He's not going to be wrestling. So I, I, I do think that, um, there could be a bit of an issue with him being such a high chalk play. Yeah. Chris, Chris Gutierrez is going to be chalk. I think cash games, put him in, move on. Um, 
unless you want to get really funky here. McDonald will look to grapple, but he's terrible, absolutely terrible. Just give me Gutierrez, who had moments against Rayoni Barcelos. Barcelos is going to be a force in this division. Look, it's, it's just it's hard for me to get away from Gutierrez when McDonald is this week's Nick Megaramanu. And in terms of in the UFC beating up cans and is on short notice, the difference is I thought is Saperbeg, Safarov. I think Gutierrez is actually a better prospect than Safarov, who's a million years old. So give him, and he's cheaper. So uh, Safarov was, never mind, Safarov was a punt last week. Anyway, either way, in this matchup, I like Gutierrez. Pretty much everywhere. It's going to be hard for me to get away from. He'll be one of my favorite plays on the card. I'm scanning through chat real quick. The way that Sean is sitting, it looks like he's wearing an X-rated Mickey Mouse shirt. Who's to say he's not wearing an X-rated Mickey Mouse shirt? I have I have a two-year-old. It's your head <laughs> out of the gutters, guys. Or keep him there. It's pretty fun. Anyway, Angela Hill, 8,200, taking on Random Marcos at 8,000. Hill is minus 145. Marcos is plus 135. Classic striker versus grappler. Chris, striker or grappler? Uh, yeah, striker for me. Um, I, I, if you've been watching this um, this uh, you know podcast for a little while, you'll know that I'm not really the biggest fan of Random Marcos. You know, the, the question that always comes up um, with a lot of her recent fights, you know, she fought uh, Nina Ansaroff and the question was, you know, can she get the takedown? That's basically what it hinges on. Uh, in this case, Angela's Hill's takedown defense is pretty pretty good. I believe it's like 75%. I think um, she's going to have the footwork to um, basically um, just sort of evade the um, blitzes into the pocket that Marcos tries to do to, to, to close down range and get her takedowns. And from there, I, I think that um, Hill's just going to try to pick her apart, and I think he's going to be successful. I think – um, we've seen Marcos really have trouble with leg kicks, uh, particularly in our last two fights. Um, I just think that um, Hill is the better in and out fighter. She's a mover. She's gonna she's gonna put a ton of volume on basically whoever she fights, win or lose, which makes her a pretty a pretty nice um, floor play, regardless. But I think she gets the win here. I think it's a good uh, it's a good strategy, and I'm gonna have uh, myself some uh, Angela Hill. So what's scary is that usually striker versus grappler, I'm all about the grappler. In this matchup, I agree with Chris. Sorry, oh, guys. Wow. No no fireworks here. We'll probably get there later. I like Hill in this one. I think even for as strikers go on DraftKings, incredibly high volume, Marcos just gets hit all the damn time. She blocks punches with her face impressively. Um, she just really – her takedowns are singles – Hill has good movement. I think Hill will be stronger the later this fight goes. Hill can be taken down, but I think she'll get back up. She's way better on the feet. I, I like her as a floor play as well, and I actually have – I'm going to mix in a little bit of Angela Hill in GPPs because of her high volume. I think she can get a late finish. She's more athletic, more active. Is usually a spot where I, I tend to favor the grappler, but the more tape I watched and Marco's – Gets hit a lot, is in these close fights. I like Angela Hill here. I'm going to pick her, and I think she's the better play. Um, I know our boy Otto in chat disagrees with me. I'm I'm sure he's devastated, but we'll let him recover. As we <laughs> talk about Alexis Davis at 8,600, taking on Jennifer Maya at 7,600. Alexis Davis is – you better still be the favorite. I saw this line dancing around a little bit. Minus 130. So we're coming down. There is odd value on Jennifer Maya 
at plus 120. Chris, break it down. Uh, yeah, Maya actually showed me some some surprisingly good things in her debut against uh, Liz Carmouche. I expected her uh, from the tape I'd seen previously to just sort of be like a like a counter striker who was open to be hit, but it, it really it really wasn't as much of that. She came forward pretty well. Uh, I thought she um, she was using a nice high guard. I thought she was she was um, evading strikes decently well, and I think that uh, Alexis Davis is. I mean, you gotta like her because she, you know she comes forward, but her her um, her striking is really pretty sloppy. And um, she's a jiu-jitsu black belt, but she doesn't have a reliable way of getting the fight to the ground. Um, so I think that Maya can find her counters here. the The issue is that I don't know that she'll be able to deal with the pressure that Alexis Davis puts on her for the whole fight. But the the, the sort of trade off to that is. That she hits, um, she I, I would say she probably hits harder than somebody like a Caitlin Jukagian does. So could she hit her hard enough to change the course of the fight? I'm not so sure, but I do think she's going to find counters um, in spots. And I also think that Alexis Davis can't be um, counted on to wrestle. So I think I'm going to – generally I would pick the volume striker in the spot, but I think I'm going to go with Maya just because – She's pretty much going to get the fight she wants, so let's see what she can do with it. But I really wouldn't be shocked if Alexis Davis just puts enough volume on her to win a decision. I'm responding to somebody in chat real quick. Give me one second. Okay. Make it make it a good one. Let me see. No, no, no. It's, it's, we're talking about the last fight. And somebody said, uh, Dave said we should skip this fight. I, I really want to skip Davis, um, Maya. I think Maya's actually going to be a little, a little bit popular here. I wish I could trust Alexis Davis to grapple. I'm still going to pick Alexis Davis. Um, I thought she's striking a little better than I thought it would against Caitlin Chukagian. Maya's not a big power striker, less volume, so I like the pressure and volume of Davis. Plus, there's some grappling upside. However, so she's my pick to win the fight. I'm not interested in much of this fight, period. I'll have some Alexis Davis because I think she'll be under own and she could grapple. But it's it's similar to what we talked about um, in the opening fight. I mean, why am I going to pay up for a ton of Alexis Davis when I have Vera, Figueredo, Blades, Barber, like uh, uh, right in the same price range for a few hundred? Now, I get Blades and Barber. She's three, $400 cheaper than them, so I get it. Uh, give me Alexis Davis as the pick. I'm just – I don't want much of this fight anywhere on DraftKings. Like yeah, my, I think my 15 lineups, I might – one or two maybe? I I think I think I think we agree there. Um, I, I I don't know about Maya being a little popular. That might that would be interesting, but I guess we'll see. Maybe in cash games, I think she'll be a viable pun at plus one twenty in a fight in a female fight. No one expects to finish. Yeah. I guess. Uh, all right, next fight: Marlon Vera, eighty four hundred, taking on Frankie Signs at seventy eight hundred. There is the favorite minus one sixty. The comeback on Signs is plus one fifty. One fifty. You going with? Vera or Signs? Yeah, I think this is a really good spot for Frankie Signs. Um, my my, uh, my, analysis, my analysis of Marlon Vera fights are usually always the same. It's that even if he's the better fighter, I can't trust him to show up and put a consistent offensive game together. And to that end, in both of his last two fights, uh, he won both, but he lost the first round convincingly in both. And then he had to, and then he had to step on the gas. And um, 
and really pull it out. In, in the first round, in the Guido Canetti fight specifically, Canetti just just poured volume and pressure on him and really had him hurt a couple of times in that first round. Um, so I can't trust Marlon Vera to put a consistent offensive game together. I think Frankie Sainz does a lot of the same stuff, only smarter. I think he's going to fight in bursts. I think he, he throws well in combination. Specifically, he's got really good um, you know body-head combinations. And he can throw off the timing with a little bit of wrestling. And we've seen uh, Vera uh, susceptible to wrestling. I mean, Vera's got good kicks. When he decides to pressure forward, he can he can sort of be a, a um, sort of a problem with um, you know the long range kicking game. But I just can't trust him to do it. And um, I've seen Frankie Signs put together a consistent game plan in fights before, so I got to go with Signs. Okay, so this one thing is going to get interesting. I think it's a close fight. I think that, and I hear what you're saying, and I've uh, auto and chats is it just seems like the kind of fight Cheeto loses. I agree, except whoever you are picking to win this fight, this is one where I'm going to pull out the we're talking about DraftKings card. Who's the better DraftKings play? Who's more likely to put up 100 points in their win? The answer is Marlon Vera. You, I, I, you do? I don't think so. In a, Vera, in a Vera win? All right, well, let's just look. Marlon Vera, in his wins, 105, 111, 93, 89, one stinker in here, 70, and 84. So a couple hundreds, you know, he, he's popped there before. Frankie Signs, 99 against Henry Briones. 59 against Mirab Divalishvili, 75, 75, and a 95. He's got one more, one more 95 in there. Can I, can I just say, in, in a lot of those fights, he's fighting the better fighter than Vera is? You're going to tell me um, in his wins? Yeah. Tickman, Kakai? Well, that one, but that was a 95. I'm saying in the, in the lower Kakai, Kakai, is seven, Kakai is 75. All right, so take that one out. But I'm saying... Marlon Vera, I mean, Kennedy and Willie Bourne are his two over 100s, you know. So, right. But in the way they fight, this fight is all going to be about pace. I think if it is a technical fight where science can execute a game plan, stay at range, pick his shots, circle off the Vera pressure, he wins. I think his path to victory is a 60-70 point win. That's the most likely to me. But if but if there are pressures, you have to rely on him pressuring, which you can't rely on. I think he's. I think it. But if he doesn't, pr- no. This is this is what I'm saying, Chris. I think if he, if he doesn't pressure, then Signed is going to win the fight. But it okay. won't be a high scoring win. I think if Vera does pressure and is obviously is, is successful, he's more likely to score 100 points with a knock with knockdowns. Also, he's live to if um, Signs tries to grapple. We've seen him hit, hit submissions before. Maybe he's more likely to have a, a GPP winning score. I think this is a GPP fight. I don't mind targeting both sides sides because no, I take it back. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want much Frankie signs. I think I wanted to say I can target both sides because it's close and I do think it's a close fight. I just their pass to victory signs is a lower scores in his wins than. Vera has in his wins. I think Vera is more likely to pop a hundred a hundred points in it in one of his wins than Signs is in his. And it's a GPP fight. I'm not interested in this in cash games. So for that reason, 
I think Vera's the better cash game play. And in the end, I like Vera's pressure. I like the pressure fighter. So I'm picking him to win uh, a very close fight. Go ahead. What do you got? No, I was just going to – I mean, I, I guess we're just not going to agree on the fact that, I mean, he's probably not going to pressure, but that's okay. If you think that he is, that's fine. Um, I think it's the way he wins. Yeah, it might be, but I, I think that, you know, it's few and far between. But um, I, but Signs is just – and he's going to mix in the takedowns, and he's going to – I mean, at least I think Signs is, is the better cash play. You wouldn't agree with that either? Yeah, if I'm going to – yeah, but why? Okay. Fair. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, you talk. We're gonna get there, but I'm I'm looking at Anthony Pettis and cash. So why? Yeah, do, yeah, so yeah, yeah. why do I need this? All right. Fair enough. All right. Bobby Moffat, eighty-eight hundred, taking on Bryce Mitchell at seventy-four hundred. Of course, the odds went away on me. It's a bad job by me. Usually, one of you two would have been yapping and could have, you know, I could have yeah. pulled up my next fight. Instead, I got a filibuster like that before I can tell you that Bobby Moffat, the minus 145 favorite to come back on Bryce Mitchell is plus 135. Do you have Bobby Moffat or old nutsack Bryce Mitchell? Um, I think I have the guy who drills into his own nutsack, which is the only time I've ever said that sentence. But Is it, um, is it though? <laughs> yeah, good call. Good call. <laughs> but um, – but yeah, I, I I like Mitchell. I like I like these guys. It's it's similar to um similar similar to last week with um oh who who was the debut fighter against Nad Naramani? Oh, uh, Mike Grundy. He's similar to a guy like that, where I, I like these guys who have really streamlined games, and I think Bryce Mitchell f- falls in that category where his striking it's okay. It's he sort of he has an overhand. He can jab a little bit, but he's really just trying to get to that takedown. And I, I think um, the, the benefit of him over over a guy like Grundy is I think his jujitsu is probably a little better. He's he's pretty slick. He's a good back taker. Um, so I, I like all of those aspects of his game. I think that um, he can he can win here just by out scrambling. And a guy like Moffat, I just don't think I just don't trust him to be active enough. That was my problem with him going into that Chaz Skelly fight um, that en- ended under um, let's say um, suspicious circumstances. Um, uh, here nor there. I think uh, Mitchell is just gonna is just gonna be able to pour on the pressure and basically control this fight everywhere it goes. So I'm I'm taking a nice long look at Mitchell here. Yeah, Otto just said something in chat. I've mentioned Otto a few times, but um, somebody else on Twitter said it too. Um, yeah, yeah, my friend Lad Uh that if they were Bobby Moffat, the first thing they would do is accidentally kick Bryce Mitchell in the cup. Oh my God. I don't want to see blood on boxer on, on shorts. I just, yeah, please that don't let that happen. I just, no thanks. Um, it's interesting that both these guys are grapplers. I think Mitchell has the edge in the feet, but I think they're both going to look to grapple and scramble. And I think they're probably even wrestlers. And I think that Bobby Moffitt, is a more experienced BJJ guy. I like his Brazilian Ooh. jiu-jitsu more. Uh, I think we disagree on that one. Yeah, I, I I think Moffitt is the better grappler. I can understand your concern about the the activity. I think Mitchell's probably the more well-rounded fighter, but I think Mitchell is also young and inexperienced. I like I think Moffitt's a little more seasoned and a little better grappler. I tend to lean towards him, and I think he makes for a really interesting pivot off of the very chalky uh, Curtis Blades and Macy Barber. I don't mind Bryce Mitchell. 
I do think it's a close fight. It should be a grappling-based fight. So I'm okay with both sides. But I lean toward Bobby Moffitt for the reasons I mentioned. And I think I said, uh, yeah, I think I want to go to chat. Joe did type it. Moffitt is one of my favorite plays in the slate, and I'm only playing one lineup. Joe's only playing one lineup. Wow. God. It's what kind of universe are we living in? I'm, very, I'm terrified there's going to be overlay. Let's not let that yeah. happen, guys. Yeah, yeah, I know. All right, Macy Barber, 8,900, taking on J.J. Aldrich at 7,300. Barber's minus 250. Aldrich is plus 230. Do you have the new kid on the block or the fighter I just can't get right? And that's J.J. Aldrich. I think that um, I think that Barber probably wins this fight, but I think it's an appropriate fight for her. Like, I think it's a good test for her. I, uh, Aldrich is going to stay in her face. She's going to um, try to outwork her. Uh, try to box her in close range. Um, my problem with JJ Aldridge, um, that well, there's a couple of things. The first one is that she was she wasn't really doing that well in kicking range against Pollyanna Vienna when it was there. The second thing is um, we've seen her in fights uh, hang out in the clinch a little too much, and that includes the Vienna fight. And to her credit, she did pretty well there in the Vienna fight, but she didn't also didn't have to deal with elbows and tie clinch and all the other fun stuff that Macy Barber is going to make you have to deal with. So I think that just the way she fights presents some problems. Um, I would like it better if she had like a consistent kicking game uh, with leg kicks, which she really doesn't. Um, I think, I think Barber wins here. I think I could see a sub. Um, a knockout is a little bit tougher to see. But uh, I do think she wins this fight, and I do think she does have a chance to pay off. But if if she's just not used to somebody coming at coming at her and putting pressure on her, then yeah, she might she might be able to drop a decision. But ultimately, um, I favor Barber here. Yeah, I I'm with Barber. I'm on the hype train for this one. I think she's stronger. I think she's faster. I think she's more athletic. Vicious ground and pound. Aldrich. Has come a long way. She's made improvements. Good, good stand up. But I think Barbara's going to be too much in the clinch. And this fight hits the ground. It should be a problem. Uh, I think it'll be a little tougher than than Barbara's last fight. I'm not sold in a finish, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I just like, you know, these pressure fighters are good for DraftKings. She's pressure, high volume, going to want to get get the fight to the ground. I do agree. It's a good. It's the appropriate progression in her career i like macy barber a lot in this fight sign me up at 8900 all right moving on i'll check chat in a second i see chat going nuts over there luis pena oh we got this fight to talk about this will be yeah. fun luis pena 9200 taking on steven peterson at 7000 actually i haven't looked to see what the line's been doing today on this fight not moving as much as i thought it was going to pena's minus 225 peterson plus 205 Pena tried to make weight, um, dropping. He's 6'3". He tried to make featherweight, missed. Dude at one point said he could make bantamweight. 5-1 is a pro. A lot of hype on him because he's violent Bob violent Bob Ross. Good shtick, but, man, it's a lot of pressure, and he hasn't really beat anybody great. And he's got Steven Peterson here who, who you know what, I, I'll give my breakdown on it in, in a minute. Uh Pena or Peterson, this fight is it's probably going to make or break the slate. Yeah, Pena to me is a really interesting, um, you know, uh, 
a slate breaker um, expensive play because I don't think many people are going to be on him. He had he had a bad performance in the last fight. Now he doesn't make weight. Looks bad on the scale. I think that's really going to deplete his ownership. And it's really hard for me not to take like a a, a rangy kicking tall fighter when we saw um, his opponent take so many kicks, uh, landed hard kicks to the head in his fight against uh, in, against uh, Matt Bissett. I just think that, um, you know, Peterson, he, he struggles with his range, and I think that's going to be a problem in this fight. Even in the Bissett fight where they, where they were, you know, more comparable, he was falling short a lot. I think that, um, I think that uh, Violent Bob Ross is going to be able to control that range. I think one of those head kicks is going to score, and I think he can, he can knock him out that way. I just, I just seeing him eat so many head kicks, I, I, I just can't in good conscience pick Peterson. Um, he's a wrestler. Uh, he seems to be a pretty slick, um, floaty grappler, but the length of uh, Bob Ross could uh, make problems for that as well. I, I, I like Bob Ross here, and I don't think a lot of people are going to be on him. So I'm for the uh, reemergent KO. So Peterson is definitely going to be chalky. Everyone's seen Pena miss weight. We've seen him look horrendous on the scales. He looked bad today. And Peterson is the type of guy you just – he's tough. He is – his – Best asset is his toughness, which I have a problem with typically. I hate fighters like that. That should not be your best quality as an MMA fighter. It's a good quality. Look at Ben Askren. Apparently, he's tough as shit. I mean, we just learned that the hard way, but it's not his best quality. Peterson is not that good of a fighter, but... I was, I'm for, so waiting for your... For, for, your three, for three rounds. Yeah, Peterson's going to be chalky. For three rounds, you think Pena's going to be able to keep that up highly depleted against the guy who's just going to keep coming forward? Man, this is a terror, and he's 5-1 and one in the UFC, 5-1 and one as, as a pro. You say, where have I been? 5-1 you know, and one as a pro. Yeah. Man, this is just a bad matchup, and this is my – but I do think before I realized – all the the weight issues and, and some of the intangibles and really just the IQ that Payne has displayed because he put out a statement today. It was like, I could make the weight. Uh, I There were things out of my, just this vague. There were things out of my control I should have focused on and I didn't. And it was, it was weird. I don't think he's in a good, good frame of mind. And Peterson, I think the toughness is going to come into play here. I think Peterson's also going to be very, very chalky. He got auto yelling about him in, in, in chat over there. I think Pena Pena before like the start of the week was going to be my GPP pivot off of Curtis Blades. Not I'm really it's hard for me to get on board with Pena and invest money in a guy who looks terrible for the weight. Um has not you know has not excelled against higher competition. And I'm not saying Peterson is great competition, but he's probably better than anyone that Pena's beat in his career. I mean, what's what's Pena's best win? Richie Smullen? Ugh. So I think Peterson's the better DraftKings play for sure. I'm still rooting for Pena, but sign me up for All right. Peterson. I gotta, before we – I got to get back in here a little bit. Um, The, the idea that he, he missed weight and he was depleted, yeah, but how many times have we seen fighters come back from the dead? You know, the line moves because everybody sees it, and then that, that fighter comes in and does what everybody thought they were going to do anyway. This line so, moved before. 
this line no, I, has, I this line hasn't actually moved since 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 the way it I is. understand it's the point I'm the, it's just the point is that everybody sees in this instance maybe it didn't affect the line as much but like everybody sees oh we got to get off them because because you know he looked bad and then they rehydrate and they're fine so well, you got what what do you say about a five and one guy taking on a guy who's a bulldog like that's not a good matchup well I mean he might be a bulldog but again like like you even said it yourself I mean I have I have a real problem. Like I understand the Gutierrez chalk way more than I understand this one, just because when you, well we need underdogs. But, That's why no, we I, need no, underdog I, bad. I get that part, but uh, but I'm just saying like it's weird. It's weird for me for everybody just to be on on somebody and be, not be able to tell me like something he does really well. So that that part just kind of weird for me. And he doesn't move his head. We've seen how much he gets hit. It's it's just it's just a weird chalk spot for me. Very weird chalk spot. All right, let's move on to Davis and Figueroa, 8,500, taking on Juicier Formiga at 7,700. Davison is the favorite, minus 145. Formiga is the dog at plus 135. Break down this flyweight fight. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, uh, Strawberry um, Jello? What flavor of Jello? Joe just said something in chat that confused me. The I world wants understand. to know what flavor of Jello you're going to have. I, I'm not sure what that means. I'm not. I'm not in the. I'm not in the hospital, Joe. I'm. I'm fine. But um, if anybody can explain that to me, um, please do so while while we move on to the next fight here. Um, I like. I like uh, Formiga a ton here. If we're talking about dogs, I think. Um, he's, I well, here we go. I think he's. Uh, he's. He's a really good. He's a really underrated wrestler. I think he cuts the corners on his double legs really well. We saw that in the. Uh, Sergio Pettis fight. What? Um, that's not uh, what kind of that's not what kind of grappler he is. He's what, not what a wrestler. He, he does. He's done it. He did he it wrestles. once. He looks for trips, and I don't think he's a. He doesn't have typical wrestling. Well, he can do it. Let's just let's just put leave it there. Um, okay. He, he's uh he he's I think he's a really um fluid striker. He moves in and out a lot. I think he's a good counter puncher. And um, there there was some Figueredo. I mean. He's he's a lot in that you know Yuri Alcantara school of in fact I think they train together of like the Muay Thai striker who just um, he plods forward pressures you and looks for big single shots. Um, and that's why like like you don't really think of him as a wrestler when you think of him, but when you look at his fights, he tends to wrestle a lot just because that's basically where his advantage lies a lot of times just just because he's bigger and stronger than everybody else. But I don't think that he's going to be able. To do that against um, to get Formiga to the ground, even if he is, I think Formiga is probably going to have better jujitsu. Uh, we know how good of a back taker Formiga, Formiga is. I just think he's the way more put together fighter. I think that um, we we basically already seen uh, Formiga lose to a wrestler, although they didn't call it that. Now, granted, Jerry Jared Brooks is a, probably a better wrestler than Formiga. I, I think I think Formiga is a better wrestler than you think he is. So we have that um, to debate, but um, I, I just think he's the way better put together fighter. And unless Formiga catches him, I think he's gonna take the win here. So I'm a little. This is to me a little similar to Vera and Signs. I think who's more likely to break the slate, David Davis and Figueroa. I also think Formiga. I think Figueroa is 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 striking and athleticism is way better than Juicy Formiga's. And that could be a hot take to say. I Formiga obviously has the advantage on the ground. Obviously Formiga has the advantage on the ground. 
He is human backpack. I, I think if it gets down, I just don't think it's a different type of grappling. It's not the Jared Brooks blast doubles. I saw a lot of trips and, and, and takedowns, and that's how Formiga gets on top. I think Figueredo is a little a little too athletic. I am I'm not it's not out of the realm of possibility at all. This fight hits the ground, and that's Formiga's world. This is a close fight. I'm not saying I have a super strong lean on it. What I do have a stronger lean on is that Davison is more likely to put up 100 points. I just I love his athleticism, his explosiveness, high volume pressure. Just God keep God stay on the feet. It is a big step up for him. Formiga has fought better competition. Only loses to the best, true gatekeeper, um, a high-level gatekeeper, not like a top 15 one. Like, you beat Formiga, you're probably top five. We'll see if it, if Davison is. I think he is. Give me um, Davison to get this one done and potentially put up a pretty big score here. All right, we have John McDessie, 9,100, taking on Jesus Pinedo at 7,100. Back Desi is minus two sixty five. Pinedo plus two forty five. Chris, who do you have? Yeah, um, I, I I really like this matchup for McDesi, uh quite a bit here. I think that Pinedo. Look, I picked Pinedo in that fight against uh, Devin Powell because I would never pick anybody against Devin Powell, and that fight was way closer than I thought it was going to be, just by virtue of the fact that, excuse me, he was able to pressure and use his kicking game to sort of. Um, frustrate uh, Pinedo and keep him on the back foot. The only reason, um, basically, that Powell loses that fight is because Powell doesn't have any kind of consistent offense. You mean he so sucks? Like when, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in a word, in a couple words, he sucks. But he just doesn't have any consistent offense. So whenever he would get the upper hand, like he would have no idea how to keep it. And then in the next 30 seconds, you'd see him flopped on his back. So, I mean – that's not going to happen with a guy like uh, McDessie, who is able to pressure, who is a very educated striker. He's got a he's got a great counter striking game. He can lead as well. Throws in combination. He can work behind a good jab. Um, and Pinedo was in trouble way more often than you should ever be in trouble in a fight against Devin Powell. And um, I just I just don't really like a lot what I, about what I see in his game. And McDessie's still game, man. He went to war with. Uh, Ross Pearson and came out on the good side of it. So he's a tough guy. He's game. I think he's he's the way better, basically everything here, and I like him to get it done. Yeah, I'm also on McDessie here. Uh, this is my GPP pivot that instead of having a lot of pain yet, I'll probably have a fair share of, of McDessie. Pinedo is bad. Um, Powell is bad. Pinedo struggled. Pinedo is probably going to try and grapple here, I think. Who knows? I think he's going to try and close the distance. And when he, as he closes the distance, because he's going to be the longer guy, as he comes in, McDessie's just going to piece him up. I think McDessie yeah. is just too good, too technical. Uh, you do have to worry about the scoring because he needs, there's no grappling here for, um, for McDessie. He needs to knock out to score. I think he very well could get it. I think he's pretty safe. I think he's got a little bit of upside. Give me John McDessie. Coleman event time. Curtis Blades, 9,000, taking on Justin Big Purdy Willis at 7,200. I have a pretty strong take on this fight. I mean, they're going to look like a genius or an idiot, but we'll talk about it in a second. Curtis Blades is minus 245. Willis is plus 225. Chris, go for it. Yeah, I am always a little worried about um, about Curtis Blades, and the reason is because he likes to strike way more than he should, and his striking is terrible. Um, 
he very he very often um, misses his range and gets countered. That happened in both the Hunt fights and the Ngano fights. One he one he survived, the other one he didn't. And um, early you know, stoppage, so, in, in my opinion. But by, by I know not is one of those early stoppage, but not a terrible stoppage. I, Sean would have liked to see him hit the ground three more times before the fight got stopped. He was popping back up. What do you want? I, I want when some guy's clearly in trouble. I want the fight to get stopped. That's what I want. But any, but anyway, all yeah, right. Guys in chat, do you think Blade versus Ngannou? All I'm saying is early, not terrible, not one that I'm gonna you know kick and scream about. I just think it was a little early. I you on my I, side or not? I think he got saved, but we'll see what the chat has to say. Um, I I I um I think that Blades has to get his wrestling going early, and even if he does, I mean it's not a hundred percent clear to me that he can just dominate Willis with his wrestling. I mean maybe he can, but uh, Willis is a wrestler in his own right and a pretty big boy in his own right. Now what can happen is Curtis Blades can gas him out over the course of the fight. That almost that almost certainly can not almost certainly certainly can happen. We've seen Willis get tired before. We've seen Blades can go for days. He had, I don't know, a hundred thousand mat returns in that in that fight against Mark Hunt, and looked pretty looked relatively fresh in the third, as fresh as you can expect a guy to look who had just been that action, who's not dead tired. Um, and so at that angle, getting him tired, I think can happen. I don't think he's automatically just going to run over him with his wrestling. He could, but I don't know for a fact that he will. I think Willis could be a tricky kind of kind of pivot here i wouldn't i wouldn't um advocate a ton of him but but he's the way better striker he works behind a really good jab really strong thudding jab which is basically how he won uh that mark hunt fight he can throw in combination his hands are really quick especially for a big guy and uh look we know that um blaze's chin is good but if we can't get the takedown and uh and blaze could just uh, uh i'm sorry um uh willis can just stick him behind that jab and circle out uh, it could be a pretty long night for him. So I'm going to take Curtis Blades. I think a lot of people think Willis is absolutely dead here. I do not. Um, so you're on that the, in mind for GPP. You're on the wrong side of M MMA Twitter anyway because Justin Willis, people are betting on him. Oh, really? I, I I am. I Okay. I mean, if you, sure. And the fact that they're heavyweights and we've seen Curtis Blades rock before, Sure. We haven't seen him defend a takedown. You're going to assume he can defend a takedown because he trains at AKA. It doesn't work that way. It absolutely does not work that way. Willis is Otto says Willis is alive. Yeah, he's live and far as that he's a heavyweight, and Blades needs to not mess around. But while he's live, Blades also has probably among the highest ceilings on the slate. He should want no part of the stand up. Just take him down, beat the shit out of him, get a finish. It should be that easy for Curtis Blades. He's the way better fighter. I don't think Justin Willis is any good. He's he's going to be short, which is my one concern with Blades getting a takedown, but I think he's a good enough wrestler to overcome that and being able to get under the hips of Justin Willis. Yeah, Willis has got a puncher's chance. I hate betting on guys who have a puncher's chance. Give me Curtis Blades, and the more I read on Twitter – the more I think I'm, I'm going to be overexposed to Curtis Blades, which is just well, I think, bizarre. I think I just, well, just one thing. I, I like I've been seeing that term with him a, a lot. Uh, puncher's chance. I think punches like to me, puncher's chance is more like he's got to land a big shot to win the fight. I don't think that's the case. I think he can, he can, he's going to win the fight as long as it's standing. 
So that's oh. not like he doesn't have to just land a big shot, but he does have to keep it standing. And the fact, like, like I, I agree with you. I like, I, I don't know if, if Blades could dominate him in the wrestling. Maybe he can, and we're gonna know really quickly if he can or not. But if he can't, I, I, I think it could be a problem. I think, I think that's more of an unknown in this fight than I, a lot of people are giving it credit for. Yeah, and, and uh, just it's just weird. I I can't get behind a ton of Justin Wells. And to you know, we have to channel Joe since he's not here. Chase Sherman lasted all three rounds against Justin Wells. Or oh, I'm sorry, Chase better than compound interest Sherman. That's right. You know, I hope Chase right. Sherman shows up at Joe's doorstep one day, <laughs> just and just just stares at him. All right, here we go. Main event time. It is Stephen Thompson, 9,300, taking on Anthony Showtime Pettis at 6,900, a fight that I don't think I've seen anybody on Twitter or anywhere explain to me why in the hell this fight is happening. So, Chris, as you break it down, if you could tell me why we're having this fight, that would be super. Um, well, I, I think, I, think I, I, don't, I didn't know why, but I've heard a decent explanation, which is that they, they wanted to fight each other and that these two guys weren't really doing anything, so the UFC said, why not? And that's pretty much why we're here. I, I, I'm willing to go with that explanation because nothing else makes sense, really. But um, as far as the fight goes, um, it's, it's interesting to me because I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that someone is going to make Stephen Thompson actually fight. Um, he, he's, he's fought um, a lot of low-volume uh, strikers in the past. Darren Till, uh, even a guy like Jorge Masvidal, uh, of course, Tyron Woodley. So we've seen a lot of his like evasiveness and footwork and sort of uh, counter-striking, and we're still going to get some of that here. And I think that, that that's going to be a major factor for Thompson is going to be his footwork and his ability to circle up because I do think Pettis is going to pressure him and try to use his kicking game. Um, ultimately, I think that we – um, sort of have to worry about Pettis's durability here. We, I mean, you can call them fluky or whatever, but the last two fights, he had the rib injury, he had, he had to stop, he had broke the hand, he had to stop. So that, at a certain point, I think that does become a concern. Um, I like, I like um, the fact that um, Pettis might be able to just out-volume him here. Uh, we've seen Wonderboy hurt before. We've also seen Anthony Pettis hurt before, of course. Um, he can also lean on the wrestling, even though he said he doesn't want to do that anymore. Obviously on the ground, he'd have a gigantic advantage. I, I, I know, I know most people are like slam dunk Steven Thompson here. I, I don't, I don't think that that's right. I think that, um, I think that the pressure and, and the, the volume of a guy like Pettis is, is going to be a little tricky. And, um, I think that Thompson, if he wins, is probably going to be a decision. And I think that, um, Pettis has a lot of advantages. So it's a close fight. I think I'm going to take Pettis for a little bit of uh, – well, I, I guess it's a, a substantial update. It'd be a pretty big upset. upset here, yeah. But what I meant to say was I'm going to slightly take Pettis for the upset. I don't think it's a runaway by any means, but I think I'm going, leaning Pettis. Yeah, um, so we have a guy who has fought at featherweight in his career fighting at welterweight. Oh, man, that's, that's sketchy part number one. Yeah, but he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good today. Every time somebody brings the fight to Stephen Thompson, he knocks them the out. Mm. That's red flag number two. That's that's why the, you know 
people have play this game with Stephen Thompson because if you don't, you get knocked out. I wish Pettis would rely on his grappling. Either way, I think Pettis outside. I mean, it, you're right. Rib injury, hand injury. He had moments. He had moments in the Tony Ferguson fight. Sure, not that hurt him. Hurt him bad. Right. He showed. He's shown durability before outside of those fluky things. But in terms of getting knocked out, he's shown durability. I don't see Thompson finishing him quickly. Now, a lot of the guys Thompson did finish, I mentioned that you know they brought the fight to him. They're also, you know, lower level guys. Johnny Hendricks, that was the ghost of Johnny Hendricks. Jake Ellenberger is a really good knockout. You know, Patrick Cote lasted three rounds. Sure. And and he, can I he, say too, not no, those guys aren't nearly as dynamic as strikers as as Anthony Pettis. Right. It's they're gonna it's gonna be be some flashy stuff. Now I, I it's interesting to see how this is gonna play out. I don't see a quick finish for Wonder Boy. I'm just it's possible. I'm not seeing it. Dog light slate, Anthony Pettis, sixty nine hundred. If I can get even four, you know, four five rounds is what I want, obviously, but four rounds of striking out of him. If anybody's gonna grapple, it'll be him. I don't mind taking the shot in cash games, and I I think most people are going to be on Steven Thompson. I don't mind some shares of Pettis. In GPPs, I think he's live in this fight. Former UFC champion. Yes, I know he's a lightweight. Yes, I know he's undersized. I just think he's live in this one. So I can't agree with Chris all the way because I do think in the end that Thompson will be able to control the range better and win a decision. I think Thompson is my pick. But I'm more interested in Pettis for DraftKings. Uh, I got to check real quick before we get over here. Is, is chat exploding? Um no, we got somebody spam, spam, yeah. spamming us. Um, do well, not stack. Yeah, I wouldn't stack this for cash games. For cash games, I would never stack um, a Stephen Thompson fight. I I just can't do it. So yeah, that's what we got for the main event breakdown and the breakdown for all these fights. Let's get to hot takes. Only two hot takes. Zelda wants to to do two a piece. That's just not going to happen. But let's both agree to try and do an extra spicy hot take. So well, let's well let's take let's take two from the chat this time. If you guys pour them all in and let Sean read them out, come on, guys. So so let's get some hot hot takes from from chat. I'm going to scroll through real quick. You got one queued up for us. Um, I have a question about my hot take. Can it be can it be a favorite, but still something nobody expects to happen? So can I like like if I say that. Ooh, so if I say Luis Pena is going to knock out uh, Peterson, is that a hot take? Yeah, I'll give that one to you. All right, sweet. I'll take it. I, I will give you Luis Pena by KO. I am going to say – God, I got, I'm trying to come up with, with a real good one here. Can't I can't let our adoring public down. Can I say Bryce Mitchell is going to bleed from the, from, from the crotch? Oh, God. That, that... – <laughs> That's your that's your gore take now. Oh, God, that would that would be horrendous. Um, you want, you want me to read some uh, some hot takes out while you're thinking of it? Yep, you go ahead and read two for me. All right, we got uh, Zelda in chat. Uh, we got two women by finish. Any two women? Uh, Nolan Dahl says Randall Mar- Randall Marcos is the top scorer. Wow, that's it's a that, really hot one. That would be um, really a hot take. Um, uh, Dave Vienna says McDessie by KO. He also says Peterson by KO in round three. So getting very specific there. Um, he also says Hill by KO. So we got some interesting ones in chat. Uh, 
You ready? You ready at all, there, Sean? Give me Marlon Vera by submission. Do you want? Do you want to call out a submission? You want to really call your shot here? Really call my shot here? Armbar. Armbar. All right. Well, there you have it. I, I almost said triangle, so he's going to get a triangle. I know. I know that's what you were thinking, too. That was so, a weird point. So we'll go armbar. All right, guys, that's what we got. Make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial to get all their premium content, no credit card required. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and iTunes, Rotowire MMA. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at the DF Sniper. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Good luck in your UFC Nashville contest. Maybe Sun Tzu will decide to grace us with his presence, but it, you know what, Chris? I think we held it down pretty well. Good luck. We'll see you next week. All right. Yeah, we did pretty well. Uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, Joe, Sun Tzu, I'm sure Megan will unblock you. Um, <laughs> she will. All you have to do is she campaign will. really hard. I'm sure it's going to happen. Um, hashtag free Sun Tzu for uh, Megan Anderson. But uh, besides that, yeah, everybody enjoy, and uh, thanks for hanging out, and good luck in the contest. Later, guys. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.